hello, all the wiser listeners, and hello, Erica Gerard, my co-host today. Hi, on Kimmies. A little wiser. And we are back together, old school, because we used to host these mini episodes together, which I love doing with you. So I am happy to have you back. And today, we are going to talk about something that you and I are very excited about. <laughs> I don't know why we're so excited about talking about something that we both have such an effed up uh, relationship to, but Tortured I am. relationship? Tortured, <laughs> yep. Highly tortured. Well, this mystery tortured topic is the voices in our head, all the mean things we say to ourselves about ourselves. So Erica, can you explain how this topic came to be? You guest hosted an episode of a podcast that I love called The One You Feed. And the whole story behind The One You Feed is that it's based on the fable of the two wolves and that within us, within each of us, are two wolves. One wolf is a good wolf that represents things like love and empathy and compassion and then there's a bad wolf, which represents things like anger, resentment, greed, um, pity, all the, the yucky things that we can feel about ourselves. And then in the story, the, the kid asks the grandfather, it's always a kid asking a grandfather, uh, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So we are talking today about the voices in our head, the way that we talk to ourselves about ourselves uh, in light of your episode with Eric. And I just wanted to tell you before we dive in that it was so meaningful for me to listen to you on Eric's podcast because I remember um, a few years ago I was in like a pretty deep, depressive episode and I listened to his show a lot while I was I just I was laying in bed in the dark and listening to his really comforting soothing voice and it really helped me feel less alone and so hearing you and him in conversation together was just so special for me. And I was so proud of you. You did such a great job on that episode. Oh, thank you. That is so kind of you. And he really does have he has a voice made for radio and podcasting. I agree. It's very, very soothing. I'm glad that he was there for you during that time. It is incredible how we can turn to like books and podcasts and to get us through all sorts of different things, including the hard times. So I think this notion of the voices in our head and the ones that are positive and supportive and compassionate towards ourselves, and the ones that are not and I and I think we're we're literally wired for negativity so I actually don't think it's like you know any of us are flawed human beings for these negative voices in our head but I am really interested in diving deeper into it and maybe the starting place for that is 
us confessing about the negative voices in our head. Do Let's you want to go it. first or should no, I? No, you go first. <laughs> Shit. I was hoping it was you. <laughs> I have competing voices. So this tale or fable about the good wolf and the bad wolf and the one you feed makes sense to me, right? Because I have a lot of contradicting stories I tell myself about myself. But I would say... um, I think one that really I would imagine women relate to and empathize is like a lot of negative self-talk about my body. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be more attractive. You're too short. You would be more attractive if you were taller or, you know, you have you're getting roles here and like all of these desirability and things about what it means to be a desirable, attractive woman, which I realize is this much larger issue, right? But I have often thought about how mean I've been to myself, like about my body. And if anybody ever spoke to me that way, that I would literally ask them to leave my house and never come back again. Yet I'm willing to do it on a very regular basis. I mean, I think of a mother standing behind somebody looking in the mirror and just saying mean and awful things. And I'm like, what a vile human being to say that yet I'm willing to say it to myself. So there's the the piece for the body, which is so sad because you're given this one body, which is such, such a gift to navigate the world with. And, and then I think I question oddly my intelligence. Am I smart enough? Like you can't participate in that conversation because – Um, I have certain pieces of my intellect and my brain that I am incredibly at ease and comfortable with. And then I have pieces when it comes to like math and finances and just different things that are more traditionally sort of steep in academics where I kind of think I'm dumb. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like a mean stepmother saying you're too short you're dumb and you have roles (laughs) oh man you know it's so funny that you shared and well thank you for sharing that with me but I have never once not one time thought about your body or your intelligence in anything except for the highest light I mean I don't think about your body very often (laughs) you don't (laughs) but when I should I start sending you like nudes I mean I we could try it um (laughs) and I can just reaffirm you how beautiful you are but to me you're absolutely gorgeous and I've always thought that about you you're beautiful you but you just radiate beauty and it also comes I think from knowing you as such a good human being and to me that makes you beautiful and same with your intelligence like the way that you are able to relate to everyone you talk to on the show you find a way to meet them where they're at and to plug in to their pain 
with such empathy and compassion and real skill in in your storytelling, which is really hard. I, I don't know how many of you listening have ever tried to truly interview someone in your life, but it's not easy to make it seem effortless and like it's a fluid conversation versus just, you know, a one-sided me drilling you with questions. And you make it look so easy. So it's so interesting the way that we see ourselves and the way that others see us. And I'm curious to know, like, are these voices, is it kind of like roll tape and they're just a constant running commentary in your head every day? Or how often do these thoughts come up? Well, first of all, thank you for everything you just said. That was beyond loving and kind. And I promise I was not looking for (laughs) compliments or affirmation, but you're a good dear friend to me. So thank you for that. Um, But I, I do think maybe that is a great example of the mean voices in our head and perhaps the voice that you just gave to your experience of me, which is a kind, loving, compassionate, supportive voice, right? Versus the one. I think um, for me personally, I wouldn't say it is always on a loop, but I think it is an irregular rotation. And the interesting thing is to see how far back it goes. I mean, I can pull up, diaries and journals from college and same narrative like 30 years later so when I see that and I realize it's just a story like you said it's on a loop but I know I don't always feel that way I have moments of feeling at ease and feeling confident about pieces of myself um you know I think both physically at times and intellectually but then I also have moments of deep insecurity and really mean negative self-talk. So I guess it's both, both and. Yeah, and when I was doing a little bit of digging and research into why we see ourselves so negatively, it was interesting to know that, I mean, of course, and it's it's so annoying that this is true, but it it does come from our early childhood influences and our early childhood experiences typically with influential people like parents or caretakers um, or teachers people that have a lot a lot of access to us as kids and that we're forming our sense of identity and at that time of our lives we're really vulnerable to critical attitudes projected at us from those people And so if we grow up hearing things like, oh, you know, I'm I'm too much, I want too much, or I'm, there's something wrong with me, I'm too loud, I'm too short, I'm too pudgy, whatever it is, those stick. And we start to identify with those thoughts, and we start to kind of behave in ways that affirm those critical thoughts. Yeah, that support it. Yes. Which yes. that to me is the worst. It's like adding insult to injury. Like, Why am I trying 
to continue to support the negative thoughts and not confronting them. Where do you think those voices came from for you? I, you know, I don't know because I, I feel like my, you know, my parents were loving and supportive and I don't feel like they were over critical of me yet. I have an incredibly critical voice in my head. So I think just outside influences, maybe I think it came from peers, teachers. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the part of, I guess, the mystery of it all. But what, and I, there's lots of other narratives I have. Like you just said that too much one. I often feel like I'm too much for people. Even on the podcast, I think like, well, I have all these deep feelings and like it's it's too much or like almost a turn off for people. Like, oh, there she is again, having all these deep feelings and talking about them. So even that, a piece of me that maybe is a positive that's deep and soulful, yet I wrap it into a narrative of, whoa, 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 you're too much. What about you? What are some of the stories you tell yourself about yourself? How much time do you have? (laughs) Um, It's a three-part episode, listeners. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I. it's like it hurts to even say them out loud to you but um one of them is that I have no friends because I I, I'm going to tell you something about myself that is true I have never had a group of friends before Mm -hmm. um in my life I don't know why I I have like a, a bunch of great wonderful like individual friends one-on-one friends but I've never been a part of like a group before and all the way back to like seventh grade when the popular kids didn't want to be my friend and I think I've oh I think since then maybe I've done this thing where I like cut and run before someone can like kick me out of the group is the only thing I can think of that like I'm doing this to myself but it just always seemed like this elusive thing that you know women have these like groups of girlfriends and I've never had that so that must mean that I'm not lovable or something about me is like People don't want to hang out with me or something in in a group setting. Um, I'm so sorry that you feel that way and that you've had that experience as somebody who's your friend and finds you so deeply lovable. Is it something you feel like you've longed for or sort of watched from the sidelines? And yeah, yeah, yeah. like I... I look at sometimes I look at people on Instagram with their like their little pack their like little on the pack, vacation and I'm yeah. just like yeah like almost like how does that happen or how do I how it it's just yeah it's something that I I don't really know but I think it's also tied to something you just said which is 
maybe that's just also the byproduct of being a deeply feeling person who yeah. likes to have intimate, deep conversations, a sensitive person to where I just prefer to have one-on-one conversations because when you're in a group of people, it you can't. It just tends to stay very surface level, right? Yeah. Yeah. More like small talky for sure. Yeah. yeah. But then I beat myself up because I don't have that. I don't know. That is so fascinating to me. I've never heard anybody. Thank you for sharing that. I've never heard anybody articulate that. And it makes so much sense to me. But I also wonder if what you just said isn't so true. And and that maybe who you authentically are and what you're wired for is sort of intimate, soulful, one-on-one relationships. And that whole like pack group mentality isn't like where you, where you would thrive and that there's maybe nothing wrong or absolutely something beautiful about that to the contrary. Yeah, maybe. But Um, I get wanting to and saying all that I get and totally honor wanting to be a part of a group as does every woman on the freaking planet because we've all felt left out of groups or not a part of a group you know yeah and there's nothing worse than going to a party and just feeling totally invisible in the room and I think that's something people can relate to but thank you for saying those nice things and um yeah and 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 so I guess what would you say is like how do we break this pattern that we have for letting I you know people use the word inner critic to describe what we're talking about oh I did okay so so I want to talk about our zero tolerance policy text last night and I had this little like life hack that I tried years ago and now I've got to get back to it so I had read somewhere if you actually give that voice a name then you can identify it and connect with it quicker Mm. so I named my voice Nancy for negative Nancy and so every time someone's like oh you shouldn't you know engage in that subject you're not smart enough to you know talk about that thing or uh, do you really fit in at this party whatever it was I would literally be like oh there's Nancy negative Nancy like bye bye Mm -hmm. I just thought it was like an interesting exercise because everybody has a critical mean negative voice and so I think step one is knowing when it's surfacing and, and maybe giving like a name to that is super helpful. And then, and last night you shared this really great article about zero tolerance. So I think that's another. Explain what that means, the zero tolerance policy. It was basically a hard line against the negative voice that like, frankly like you're not going to tolerate it so when it comes up creating awareness and just saying uh, it's almost like creating like a boundary within yourself right if you had somebody in a work environment or your family who is really mean and critical and negative you could create a really hard line with that person I'm I won't tolerate it not in front of me 
not in front of my people, not with me. And it's kind of, that's how I interpreted it. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, what I liked about it is that it wasn't soft. It was like, no, do not tolerate that thought. Like, (laughs) get out, you know? It's so clear, right? It's like nothing like wave, you know, like, oh, just try and sit with it and talk to it. It was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. And I had a therapist once who told me that whenever I would have these thoughts to visualize a stop sign, a red stop sign with the word stop on it. And like to visually bring that stop sign up and see the word stop right there. And sometimes I do that, but as you know, I'm not a super visual person. And so I think for me, I'm going to try that zero tolerance policy and just tell it to get the F out. Just shut it down. Yeah. And I think it's probably helpful too to understand the voices that are on the loop and that way it's easier to spot them when they're coming like oh that again that again and then zero tolerance what about the the good voices do you have what are the good voices the kind voices Mm. well I think we we tend to be kindest about the things that come more naturally to us. Like, I think I am a natural partner in relationships and loving someone well is something that I take very seriously and I prioritize. And so I am quick to say to myself, like, yeah, that was good. Like you know how to you know how to show up for your partner. You know how to be a good um lover in relationships. I don't mean like lover like <laughs> you're good at sex lover. I mean I just you know how to love. Um but the things that don't come naturally to me is where I'm very critical of myself as if we're all supposed to be really good at everything all the time that makes a lot of sense to me that we focus that part of it maybe is just getting completely honest and realistic and accepting that nobody is good at all things or has all things come that it's just not possible so rather than focusing on the things where you um perceived or are perhaps lacking like focusing on what is true and right which is what you just said and I see that in you you are such a wonderful wife and I you know I I see you in some of those deep relationships and it's beautiful to watch because you're right you are all in in the best of ways Um, thank you what about you what are the good voices that you tell yourself um you know I've come to believe and I I had a really hard time I had a lot of negative voices like being critical of myself as a mom when my kids were younger but I think that's changed for me in the past few years and I I I think I'm a good mom 
um, or I believe I'm a good mom. I mean, there's no such thing. It's it's as a perfect mom. It's a good enough <laughs> situation. But I like to believe that I'm kind and loving and just trying to really do my best for my kids. And that feels good and feels good to me. I believe that I'm, you know, kind and, and a good friend to people. And there's pieces of me and my work where I have confidence in my ability and my visions, you know, counterbalanced with, it's really interesting because I even think it was Holly when I did the interview for the podcast, she said, you have moments of otherworldly confidence. And people have said that to me before, like I have no fear of public speaking. Well, compared to, I think most people fear it. I, my fear, I guess, is significantly less than most people. And I've had people say that to me, you're so confident or you're so, and then I've also had people say the opposite, like, you're so hard on yourself. I've never seen someone doubt themselves so much or you always are undervaluing yourself. So I think, yeah, the good wolf and the bad wolf are alive and well. Yeah. And the thought that we have to actively feed the good wolf is one that I easily forget, right? Because if we just are on autopilot and let them take over, the bad wolf will just be way more present for me anyway than the good wolf. And I have to really make an effort to quiet that voice. Whereas I don't know if that's true for everyone, but that's true for me. And sometimes I look at those like really happy people that just seem really at peace with themselves in the world and I think oh they their good wolf is on autopilot um their optimism their you know just good vibes I don't know is that do you think that's true do you think that some I don't I'm I'm the same way it's like a mystery there's certain people I know including friends I'm like you are just so at ease and happy and content and you are like an exotic unicorn. Like how in the world? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, do But I think- don't know if like you peeled back the layers and were like, hop on the podcast, talk about your bad wolf if they, I'm assuming everyone has a negative voice, right? Some, some of us just give it more power than others. I assume, I, I think that perhaps people who and you said this on your episode with Eric about I loved the conversation you two had about labels and how labels contribute to the negative self-concept that you know once you're labeled something especially with mental illness right I I have depression or I have bipolar becomes I am bipolar and I am depression yeah. instead and maybe that's why we carry those those thoughts around more heavily yes is yes society loves a label and then we act accordingly to the label or or identify deeply with the label 
Yeah, we reinforce the label. Yeah. What is what is the path towards a better way? We've talked about zero tolerance. Can you think of anything else for people listening? Well, I think just having these types of conversations with people that you love and trust, friends, really. This is a good friend conversation. Um, and it's true. Like, this was helpful for, because you, me saying what my inner dialogue is, and you, mm-hmm. like, looking back at me and being like, uh, <laughs> well, how I see you is, and you doing the same, like, it's it's kind of a healthy, or it's not kind of, it's a really healthy exchange. So I love that piece to, like, go on a walk with a friend and you both just kind of go for it and talk about it in the way that we just did. Yeah. If people are into that, for the people who have a person in their life that they can do that with. I would love to know, I think this is a good little mini experiment. I would love to know, if you're listening right now and you go on, I I want you to choose a friend who you feel really safe with and meet up. And I want you to both exchange the, the negative voices that you have in your head that are on a loop. And I want to know what happened and I want you to tell us and you can Send us a voice memo and let us know. And you can send it to hello at allthewiserpodcast.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram at allthewiserpodcast and tell us how it went. I'm truly fascinated. So I love like random friends around the country are going to be getting texts like, hey, <laughs> you meet for coffee and bring all the negative mean voices in your head and tell me what they're saying. <laughs> It's well, genius. It's good because we need it's, that correction. I think we do. We do. We need that. Everyone needs a mirror to like reflect the good back to us instead of like we have to have an external voice challenge these thoughts, don't we? We a hundred percent do, and I, I think that idea is so smart and transformational in the way that even saying it out loud when it's quiet and it's in your head and it's like a shameful like there's something about saying it that um takes a little air out of makes it less powerful if that makes sense and then Mm -hmm. on top of that as we know like being vulnerable with other people creates deeper connection and you get this honest feedback of a voice that is likely going to be good kind and compassionate which is the voice you want to work towards. So on so many levels, it's a really powerful exercise. And I love the idea of people doing it. I think it's brilliant. Good. Well, I do too. And I hope you guys take us up on our experiment and let us know how it how it goes. And thanks, Kimmy, for having this conversation with me. And letting me know that I'm not a weirdo and <laughs> that you're my friend. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs> um, I am your friend and I'm very proud to be your friend. 
And we have a we have a little group at All the Wiser that you're very much a part of. You're sort of the queen bee of that group. Oh my gosh, I've never been a queen bee in my life, but thank you. And um, all right, for before we sign off, I want to give us a zero tolerance challenge. Do you think we do a day, 48 hours, a week, you and I? Mm, yeah, that's let's do it. Um, let's give it let's give it a week. Okay, zero tolerance, and I'm gonna zero tolerance, and we got to hold each other accountable. I love it. Lynn, we'll, okay. we'll meet up, meet back up next Wednesday, and and let each other know how it went. Yes, perfect. All right, everyone, take care of yourself and each other. Erica, any sign-offs? Thanks for being here and listening to us talk about our <laughs> mashagana. <laughs> that's that's our Jewish? crazy Yiddish word for all the crazy thoughts in our head. Ooh, I love that word. I want to know how to spell it. <laughs> all right, bye, Erica. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.